we're going to read a couple of verses here. Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 3. And then I'm going to go on. <clears throat> I'm going to read about three verses in chapter 2. Then I'm going to jump to chapter 3 and read a few more. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Look at all these results of wisdom here that, that come up. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaker, uh, that speaketh forward things. And it goes on, and then to deliver thee when you get near the end uh, from the strange woman and, and how, how there's a measure of protection and with wisdom. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding he hath established the heavens. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask your blessing upon the service this morning. One, I pray, Lord, you be glorified and honored. I pray that you would guide what I say and how I say it. Lord, I pray that uh, you would work. May your spirit have free course. May you use this to challenge us, to change us, to draw us closer to you, to strengthen us in our faith, that this would not be uh, an empty time, a vain time. And Lord, so please, don't let me hinder your word. Lord, don't let me get in the way of it. And I pray that you would work. Lord, I especially pray if there are some present this morning who have never been converted. Lord, whether they're deceived in their own mind or, or just don't even know what I'm referring to right now. I pray, Lord, for that, that conviction showing that need of your salvation from what is to come. And Lord, that even this morning they would repent and place their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. We are coming into 2024. Um, the last four or five years, I, I think almost really going back to 2019-ish, um, have been some uh, amazing times of change in what has occurred worldwide. Um, it's it's amazing how different things look. I almost, I did not do it this week while I was sick. I came across it two different times, two different clips. I shared them with my, with my family. And, uh, and I, I thought it was just ironic. And I thought about even, even in the introduction of showing them. And uh, the first clip was of London in 1950. It was a video taken just outside in the streets of London of, in 1950. It was gorgeous. Every single woman dressed modestly without fail. The men dressed proper and right. Watching just the shopping and everything taking place. And then later on, what made it even more 
stand out even more was, was a couple of days later, there was a news clip of London from that day. Of Muslims rioting. Um, and I thought, wow. What a difference in the last 60, one generation has made. It looks nothing, nothing like it did just 70 years ago. And of course, we know that's true if we saw video images of any major city in the Western world. That would be true right now. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. So we live in a very uh, um, uncertain world. <coughs> if I was to switch just to this mic, Messiah, would that be all right? Uh, you can hold up. We'll see if I, if I need to or not. I just really don't want to cough right into that mic and come across like that. So we'll see. Let me get a cough drop in here. <coughs> I can't from this one. I'm sorry. <coughs> so, I, I'm, as I started thinking about this in my lifetime, and I know it's true of me, but I, 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 I had forgotten to get with, and I didn't really have time to prior to the service, you know, to get with somebody like Bob Sites and some of the older generation in our church, just to get their perspective sort of on the uncertainty worldwide right now, as compared to, say, maybe the height of the Cold War, with the threat of nuclear war, say, like 1962 to 1972. It started waning a little bit, I think, by the mid to end 70s. It was still there and strong, but there's, uh, there was a greater level of fear from what I've read during that that time frame. <clears throat> but right now, all that's taking place in the world with the rise of the Muslim movement, China's threats, even yesterday, um, that were the strongest they've probably ever given it, it, since the rise of communism in that nation. Um, and just the overall uncertainty. Now, let me say this. Keep this in mind as I'm going into this message today. One thing, I'm glad I'm a Christian because I'm apart from that. Do you understand that? Uh, um, now, I'm going to try and help us as we live in this world in that. But God's in control. I have peace. I, I don't have to sit there and fret over any of this. I don't. Um, but what we're going to look at today is what I know I'm going to need in 2024 is wisdom. Because I don't know what lies ahead. I, think, I hope at the very least, I think at the very least, 2024 is going to be an incredibly interesting year. I hope it stays just at that. Alright? I hope it stays just at that. But I think we all know with the current situation worldwide, we can wake up to a very different world tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. And so, one thing I know that we are going to need in this new year is a whole lot of wisdom with what we could possibly face. <clears throat> It is wisdom that we see in chapter 2 and 3 of Proverbs, as well as other places, that gives us the ability to make right decisions in life. It's a, lot, it's a wisdom, as we see in chapter 2, the, the main focus of chapter 2 is it's concluding there is this. It is wisdom that gives you the ability to make the choices that will prevent the destruction of your life. I mean, you can think of how many Christians have saved people that, that all of us know and, and, and can think about with sadness in our hearts that have made horrific decisions without wisdom that in the moment they thought was right, that they thought was best. But it wasn't based upon wisdom, it was based upon something else that led to that decision. 
And that started a road of destruction with their own personal life. It is wisdom that helps you to lead a genuinely productive life before God. It is wisdom that we greatly need during difficult days when making decisions and knowing, okay, what direction do I go? So, for 2024, with all the uncertainty in this world, I know we need wisdom. When I was in PNG, there was a, there was a, a couple of times, and I did it just just for fun, not to assess anything like that. That I would operate one of those banana boats, the dinghies with the forty horse Yamaha motors on. Usually, it would be completely flat seas and everything like that. And 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 then I would ask the operator if I could if I could run it. And uh, and that would be it, though. That was it. Um, and uh, I, there were a, a few times when. Uh, I was uh, in one of those dinghies, and I was very, very glad that I had a very competent, uh, a, a wise operator. I know. One thing, see, if rough seas hit, and I'm the one operating that, we're in trouble. We are, because I would lack two key components, really three, to put it all together: experience, knowledge, and wisdom. And that would lead to destruction. There is no doubt about it. But there was times when, when it would get rough, and there was one guy, um, Febrar. He was by far the best boat operator. Uh, when rough seas, I, I could just relax. You know, he knew how to ride on top of the waves and going through it, and it would just be incredible how he could maneuver with it. The wisdom he would use when operating. It's true in the storms of life. You need a whole lot more wisdom than when everything's just flat and smooth sailing. Sometimes with the limited knowledge you have, if it, sometimes it seems all right with what you have, so you don't, you don't strive for more. You think, well, it seems the knowledge of God I have enough. How faithful I am is enough. But that's just because everything's flat and calm. You let something arise which calls for a greater need of wisdom and more important decision-making so there aren't as clear-cut. You need to be prepared for those times. And the truth is, trials are a time when we need a great deal of wisdom. Without God's wisdom during trials and difficult days, it can quickly ruin our testimony and shipwreck our faith. I remember a time in PNG. Uh, <clears throat> when one of my church members at the work in Kudu Kudu was going through a really difficult time uh, in life. A very rough time. Her world had completely fallen apart. Um, and certainly had my compassion. There are things that had happened in her life that caused a great deal of hurt, a great deal of pain, things she was not understanding. And I, re- I still remember the day it was... They don't have Thanksgiving there, of course, but it was Thanksgiving Day in the States, and so we were in the middle of our Thanksgiving dinner there in, Thanksgiving, there in New Guinea, and I got the call. She had tried to take her life. And so I went up to the aid station, and thankfully she did not succeed, and, and, uh, um, but she had lacked the wisdom to see things from a different perspective. 
it led to a wrong decision. <clears throat> By the way, today she's doing very well serving God and going strong. But know what she needed? Again, right at that moment, when despair started to cross a certain line, she needed that hope and trust which wisdom can help lead you to. I don't know what awaits us in 2024. There might be some of you in the midst of, you know, just difficult decisions now or different trials now. I mean... I know when it comes to counseling, one of the most um, common statements I get is this. They, they lay out what's going on and they, they finish with this statement. I don't know what to do. Look, look at this. Look at this in James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I've preached through the book of James. Remember the context of this. If you're not familiar with it, it's incredibly important, the context of James 1.5. Remember, James is writing this. This is even before Paul's ministry has taken off. This is when almost every single convert is Jewish. The persecution sitting because of Paul, who was Saul still at this time, and the church in Jerusalem is scattered. They all have to flee and run for their lives from families being broken up, put into prison simply for coming in faith in Christ. James, who is the half-brother of the Lord, is the pastor at the church in Jerusalem. This, what you're looking at, is the very first epistle in the New Testament that was written. It's this one. James writes it to the scattered converts to try and encourage them because of all the trials and difficult things they were facing. They faced a, 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 a sort of a, 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 they were getting hit on both sides. Not only were they Christians, but they were Jewish. And being Jewish in the Roman Empire at this time wasn't easy either. So they had both these things going against them. It's not like they can go hide out in the synagogue. It's, it, it was difficult. And so he writes this letter to them knowing, uh, in, in the first part of it, um, you can go back, and I recommend you go back and listen to those messages if you have not on the book of James. And, and he lets them know, he, he starts off with, a, with a, a difficult command. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's basically how he starts the letters. He says, I know it's difficult, but you know what you need to do? You need to count it all joy. That's going to be true for 2024 for us. And he's like, what, is he crazy? We're going, I mean, our lives have been upended. I've lost my home. I have nowhere to sleep at night. I don't know where I'm sleeping tomorrow night. We're having trouble finding food each day. And you're telling me to count it all joy? But he goes on to say, why, knowing that this trying of your faith worketh patience. 
He says, listen, there's things you need to know for that to take place. He says, I know I can just make the statement, but if that's going to happen, he says, there's certain truths about God you need to know. You need to know, yes, it's difficult right now. I know you're facing trials, but know how God can use it. Know that God's grace is sufficient. Know how God can use it to help you and mold you and make you better. Don't just focus on on the circumstance of now. Focus on how God can choose to use the difficulty in your life. And then he went on to the next key, and that was to let. To let God do this. That's where many of us stumble. We have knowledge, but we don't choose to submit to that. We just want to be mad. We just want to be angry. And we choose not to let, as it says in verse number 3. We don't let patience have her perfect work. But it's in that context that we come to verse 5. And he knows what they're going to need because they're facing decisions each day because of the difficulties of the day they're in. That if any of you lack wisdom, and the point was this, if, if you're lacking wisdom, you know, if you can't count it all joy, he's connecting that back to a lack of wisdom to be able to see it from the right perspective. This is how we have to go to God. 2024. I think, like I said, is going to be an interesting year at the very least. With the election, all that's coming up. So at the very least, and again, my hope is it stays just like that. Just an interesting year. But I don't know what the future holds. But again, the good thing is, regardless, the Lord is in control. And so what I do know I need from Him is wisdom. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 with me. Proverbs chapter 4. A well-known verse. Look at verse 7. Five, of course, he starts talking about they need to get wisdom, to get understanding. Look at verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get, understa- get understanding. Exalt her. She shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. It goes on. There's chapters in Proverbs uh, uh, focusing on the importance of wisdom. And the truth is, the truth is, there's not a one of us in here who doesn't lack wisdom. Matter of fact, the, 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 if you're in here and you don't think you lack wisdom, you're going to be in a different chapter in Proverbs. You are. You're going to be in a whole different chapter of Proverbs. Well, you're looking unto your own wisdom and you'll soon find destruction. The truth is, all of us lack wisdom. Even as I was talking about there in James chapter 1, we said if any of you lack wisdom, that includes all of us, just so you know. But let's get a working biblical definition of wisdom. Let me, let, me, let me start by defining what wisdom is not. And then coming to what it is. First off, wisdom is not knowledge. Now we need knowledge. Wisdom is going to use knowledge. Alright, it is. You need to have knowledge 
Okay? But wisdom is not knowledge. We need truth. We need knowledge. But that is not wisdom. I mean, there are multitudes of people who have knowledge of God's truth. They know God is good. They know God is full of mercy. They know God is is full of grace. They know God is just. They know God is holy. But notice, it never actually affects their decision-making process in life, even though the knowledge is present. What's lacking? Wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is not education. I can't teach you wisdom. I can't do a minute of faith on a Saturday and give you wisdom. Do you understand that? I can't do that. It's not education. There are multitudes of people full of education that lack wisdom. So what is wisdom? One uh, one uh, commentator or preacher said this. I can't remember which. I did not write it in my notes, and I should have. Um, I don't have this in quotes for some reason, but I know it should be. In other words, it's from it's from another source. Um, wisdom is knowing how to live God's way in God's world. I remember reading that and liking it. But wisdom is when we look at a biblical definition. It is the ability. To use knowledge in the right application. Now there's other things that go with this. We're going to build this definition up so it's clear. That's a sort of a, that's just a little foundation of what wisdom is. Okay? The ability to use knowledge in the right application. Again, we've all met somebody who had knowledge, but did not know how to use the knowledge in the right way. We've all seen that. Daniel, who's probably watching from live stream, I get to pick on him. I've given this out before, but boy, it's coming to mind right now because it was just so funny. I taught him in New Guinea how to, we had, we had to run, if you didn't know, we, had to, we used a generator in New Guinea for power. And we'd usually run it twice a day, four hours in the morning, four hours at night is how we would do it. And so when Daniel got older, I let him be responsible for starting the generator. He had to get older because it's a pull start. It took some strength, really, to get that generator going. And so I went through everything to teach him how to do it. And he'd already done it a couple times on his own. So I sent him. It was coming on 6 p.m. in the evening, and that was time to turn the generator on. And so I, I sent him to go turn the generator on. And I heard it start. But Daniel didn't come back up for a while. Now, it takes five minutes. He knows that once we start it, you let it run for five minutes, and then you switch over to power. All right? The, the, the electrical side has to warm up. You just don't throw the power on right away. And so, in a bit, I thought, you know what? I better go check on him. It just didn't make sense. Maybe he got sidetracked with the dog. So I came out, and our house was high set, and there were stairs coming down. I start to walk down. The generator sheds there, and Daniel comes around the corner, <laughs> and he's covered in oil. I mean, just spotted oil all over him. And I started laughing. I knew exactly what he did. I said, as I'm coming downstairs, I said, hey, you tried to check the oil with the generator running, didn't you? Yes, sir. He forgot that step in the process, so he started and said, oh, I'll check the oil now. (laughs) Um, If you don't know what will happen, just try it. 
So he had the knowledge, but he lacked the proper application of that knowledge. Now, it's interested in the Bible, when it comes to the word wisdom, I want you to think of this. It carries the idea of, and I'm going to show you this from the Bible, of skill. Of skill. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. Time is, oh my goodness. Time is really going fast here. Um, but throughout chapters in Exodus, this is chapters 28, chapter 31, chapter 36, um, Isaiah chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 34. When it's speaking with wisdom, it has the idea of skill. All right? In Exodus, God gave skill to the workers who made garments. God gave skill for the high priest. God gave skill to those working with metal, to those who were going to be building and working. So it, it carried the idea, the wisdom did, of skill, which fits perfectly with the biblical definition of being able to use knowledge right. That's a skilled person. <clears throat> but there's one other aspect to wisdom that ties and finishes the definition that you need to remember. This will help you go to the right source for wisdom. When it comes to the wisdom we're talking about, the one that Proverbs is dealing with, don't miss this part. This will help keep you on the right direction for seeking the right wisdom. The wisdom we're dealing with biblically, listen to me, is moral. Do you understand that? It's moral. It's not, it's not amoral. It's not immoral. It is moral. <clears throat> it's more than just facts and understanding. Wisdom is the ability from God, to re- which leads to right decisions that are moral decisions. We know we have the need of wisdom. We have an understanding of what it is, that this, is that, that this wisdom gives me the ability to make right moral decisions. How to skillfully use my knowledge. We know that, that when I read in, in, by way of our uh, text this morning, how wisdom is to be sought after. As silver and gold, how it's, how we strive simply to seek after the financial side of the house, yet wisdom is the principal thing. How desperately we need wisdom. I promise you, you might think it will. You will need much more wisdom through your trials than you were, than you will money. You think, no, I'm alright. I got plenty in the bank. Watch them switch off your account in a blink of an eye. You better have wisdom. So, okay, how do we obtain it? Let's go back to James. How do we obtain wisdom? And is it Second Kings chapter five, my, my, where we have uh, this captain of the, of the Syrian army? What's his name? Naaman. Is it Second Kings or First Kings? I think it's Second Kings. Yeah, Second Kings chapter five, Mitch. 
2 Kings chapter 5 is Naaman. All right. So before I read this, I want you to think of Naaman for a second. All right. Somebody just recently, I think on our team night, preached on Naaman. It's probably why it's coming to my mind right now. But remember Naaman. Naaman, you know, he is the general in charge of the world's strongest army of the day. He gets leprosy, and now, ah, can't be a leprosy. And again, a little maid from Israel said, listen, if, if, if he would just go to the prophet of God, he could actually help this guy. So he goes to Elijah. We all know the story. Um, he comes to Elisha, and Elijah just sends his servant out, which I just love that about that man. I do. I mean, just, it's just... It's my favorite thing of that story where he sends his servant to the door. He doesn't even care to go to the door to meet with the commanding general of the world's largest army. Why? Because of his relationship with God. The guy's nothing compared to God. But anyhow, that's, a, that's, that's a, not even my point. He goes to name. The servant goes and says, hey, go dip in the Jordan seven times and, and you're going to be, and God will cure your leprosy. And, of course, Naaman goes away, oh, mad. I can't like that. Are you kidding me? There's so many better rivers in Damascus. I mean, we, I, I don't need to go to the filthy Jordan River for this. And then a servant says, why, why, why don't you just think about this? He said, had he told you to go climb, I can't quote it exactly. I'm, I'm going to put my version into this. You know, 42 mountains, would you not have done it? I would have. Or he told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? And Naaman thought, I would have. He said, well, then why not do this simple thing? Naaman almost missed his healing because he missed the simplicity that is in God. And if you miss what I'm getting ready because the simplicity is in God, you can miss the wisdom you need for life. Now, look at James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, here you go, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. Now, there's things you combine with wisdom, because wisdom uses what? Knowledge. All right? It does. It uses knowledge. We know that from Proverbs. I don't have time to tie understanding this, but it's it's neat. If if you'll just seek after God with this and get in God's word, this will work. You have to have knowledge for the wisdom to use. So you grow in your faith, you're coming to church, you're, you're faithful to devotions and study and growing in your faith and wanting to know God, not playing a game with it. The knowledge is increasing. That it's going to God. God, I need wisdom. Now, that's what James 1.5 says. Many people, listen, when difficult times come especially, they do seek for wisdom During their trial, but listen to me, they go to the wrong source. It's true. It's like going to an auto parts store looking for Tylenol. Well, they probably put in the Chevy section some Tylenol for if you own a Chevy. I'm not sure. But what happens is people, they miss the simplicity that is in God. They do. They miss it. They don't believe it. So they turn to worldly philosophy. They turn to worldly philosophy. Now they're going to get something that's not based in morality. That's not from God. And they're going to make a decision at a critical time in life.
I mean, we can see people turning to escape. You, you name it. There's so many things people turn to to try and find their wisdom. I put that, put that in quotes. For their solution. The answer is, we go to God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You turn to God for wisdom. Proverbs chapter, you don't have to turn there. I'm, I'm going to do that really quick. Proverbs 2 and verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Notice how it ties in God's word, what comes out of God's mouth, with him giving wisdom. It comes from God. I don't have time to read it this morning because there's a few more things I want to say. I would love to read Job 28, 12 through 28. Job chapter, uh, um, Job chapter 28 in verse 12 on is Job, it's, it's talking about wisdom. It's as if, I can't remember if it says if wisdom is speaking right there. It goes through basically where wisdom doesn't come from. The conclusion when you get to verse 28 is simply this. It comes from God. That's where it comes from. The wisdom you need that is going to be, allow you to make a right decision for your life comes from God. And notice in verse 5 how God responds to us genuinely seeking Him for wisdom. He gives it liberally. Generously. He doesn't hold back. He'll give what you need. He will give it freely. And get this, He abradeth not. He is different than us. He doesn't, he doesn't reproach you for asking. Oh, you again? Greg, I am so tired of your stupidity. I'm not giving you nothing more. Isn't that how we are with people, though? We give so much grace. But then after a point, I've had enough. You're done. He abradeth not. He abradeth not. You know, I'm so glad he remembers I am but dust. I need, I need to finish. I need to get to this, though, because there's something that can hinder you when you ask. All right? Look at James. Look what he says here. In verse 6, he gives a warning. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind, tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what can hinder God from answering that prayer? First off is doubt. We have to ask in faith. Hebrews 11.6, I mean, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, there are different reasons that lead to doubt. And we're going to deal with doubt and faith. Because with faith, there's doubt. Don't forget that. With faith, there's doubt. I'll cover that more in a second. But there are certain things, I want you to listen to me, that lead to doubt. Some doubt because of little faith. Because we all are at different levels of faith. Different levels of experience in our walk with God. So, I mean, we have, I don't know, 200 people here right now. We all have different measures of faith in our life. Some have stronger faith. 
Some have little faith. The, the key to getting the prayer answered is not the strong faith. It's faith. Little or great. It's not, it's not concentrating on the... Do you know how many people just simply concentrate on the doubt? Instead of the faith. It's using the faith. It's, it's being disciplined in mind saying, so you know what? Because if there's faith, there's doubt. No, that, that's true of every single person. It's not till heaven that our faith is made sight. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. If there's faith, there's a measure of doubt. But you concentrate on the faith. So for some, it's simply little faith. Some doubt, this is important, some doubt because they don't actually know if they want to follow God in His direction. Because it might go against the way they want to go. That's true. This one's really common. In other words, you have a plan. And matter of fact, your plan, you, you know, God might not be in this. He might not actually be for this. And you're not willing for that measure of self-denial. That's a problem. I remember I got a call, a random call here at church. It was somebody looking for advice. They were a member of another independent Baptist church. and, and, And this call did not last long. I probably should have hung up right there. But I didn't know any of the situation yet. Had I known it, then I would have said, listen, I'm not the call you need to be making. So the person got into a a situation they were in. um, And uh, um, they were in the midst of a difficulty with their church. He was at odds with his pastor. He had received counsel he did not like. And really... The situation was an easy one. It was a moral one, and he was on the wrong side of it. It was clear cut. Know what he was looking for? Just somebody to support his view. He wasn't looking for godly counsel. He wasn't looking for God, what would you have me to do? He was looking for somebody to say, what you're doing is okay. It wasn't coming to God from a neutral standpoint. God, if I'm wrong, I want to do right. Not God, if I'm wrong, then just stay out of it. But sometimes we have a little bit different agenda. That will lead to that doubt. Some doubt because of the trial itself that they're in. Boy, that can create doubt. That can begin to doubt. The devil can come in with those those darts. He's great at getting to our thought life. Midst of a trial hitting, those arrows start hitting, creating doubt. Doubting God's goodness. Doubting what you know to be true. Trying to get you to change how you view it. 
And then you begin to feed on others who think similarly. Sim, I cannot talk. Like you. Some at this point will begin to even blame God for their trials. Will blame the church. My life's a mess because of the church. Has nothing to do with your own decisions. It's convenient and helps you sleep at night. But it's not true. I remember I, I've, I referred to him before. I had an uncle who's not saved. Um, uh, loved him to death. Growing up, he was, he was just so much fun to be around. And both my mom's brothers were. They were just growing up, and they, all, they, they, they were in their 20s when I was growing up, and they were just so fun to be around. I loved when they came over. And uh, the one, though, when, my, when I was in New Guinea, my grandfather had, had passed away. And I was really close with my dad's, uh, my mom's dad. And I, even some summers I stayed with him. And, and when I knew him, he, was, he had never married. He, was, he had already divorced from my grandmother, I think, before I was born, actually. And he had never remarried. And uh, so summers I would stay with him. And he, he was going to get in trouble for taking me to bars. <laughs> Come back. He, he would run me. I'd be seven, eight years old. And he'd go to bars and take me with him. And, uh, um, but when he had passed, he'd end up at, not in a nursing home, but in, a, in, an, in a, a place similar to, remember Grace, where Grace used to live here. I don't know if you remember, over on Muldoon, one of those senior uh, living facility places. And uh, anyhow, how he died was, it was rough. All right, he had, he had diabetes, so he already had uh, one or two surgeries take place, removal of the toll, then it got to his foot and things like that. Well, he had fallen, and uh, nobody found him for a couple of days. And the one who found him was my uncle. And so this is now about a year or two after that, and I was talking with him again about the Lord. We always did. And I can remember telling him, I, I, there is no God. He goes, if there is a God, there's no way my dad dies like that. See, he allowed that, that bitterness to come in. And to blame what had taken place on God. How many people just look at God through this realm in, 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 a, in a very myopic sense, like this? Okay, if he's all-powerful and he's good, then how can this happen? Because you're leaving... Those aren't the only truths about God and creation in the universe. If those were the only truths... That might be right. But there's a whole much more to this than just that. Those are true. Every time, God is good and He is all-powerful, which means you lack a measure of knowledge to make a right decision about what took place. And I recommend if you're in that state, you go to the messages on Romans chapter 2, those first couple, and I cover God's goodness. But sometimes the trial itself can lead you to doubt. We live in a sin-cursed earth. We truly lose sight of what we actually deserve from God if we got justice. God is so good and His goodness is incredible every single day on this entire planet. Doubt can lead you to be like the wave, just tossed back and forth, back and forth. 
back. In any of these, I, could, I don't have time for it. I could lay out the case on each of those, how it makes you back and forth. Whether it's the little faith, and you're just concentrated on your doubt, how you're going to be back and forth. Whether it's you not certain if you want to go God's direction or your own direction, how you're going to go back and forth. Or in the midst of the trial, and those doubts are coming in, and the questions about God, the questions about His truth, and you start going back and forth in your mind. And the problem is, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That word literally means, it's amazing, double-souled. It's literally what it means, double-souled. That was a very common Jewish expression. And what they meant by it was somebody really trying to serve God in the world. Which just like we struggle with today, they did too. That, of course, produces doubt. It produces instability in your life. Because you cannot live for two kingdoms. Or you can, but then you're going to be unstable. You can try playing the game your whole life. You can waste 40 years of your life trying to live in two worlds, but you are nothing but an unstable person. You will lack the wisdom you need to make the right decisions, because even if you go to God and ask Him, like it says there in James, I'm not giving you anything. You come to me by faith, believing I am, saying, listen, I will serve you. And I want to give it liberally all that you need. But God is not our genie in a bottle. He's not there for your every beck and request. It's like you hear the, the charismatics and their false gospel and their false doctrines. I mean, I remember listening to one of them preach one day how we can command God. I'm like, my goodness. What is wrong with you? So, let me conclude this. We need wisdom in 2024. I really, really believe that. Again, I hope it's just an interesting year and that's it. If we're going to get wisdom, what you do is you settle on God. You seek Him. You don't play a game with it. It's not about great faith or little faith. Because everybody, you can't say you have no faith. That's not true. Romans 12, 3 says every single man has a measure of faith. You go to the measure of faith you have. That's where you start. As we saw in Proverbs, be faithful to church. When you come, don't play the, don't, don't play the game. I mean, feed from the messages. Feed from the Sunday school lessons. Gain the knowledge so that when God grants the wisdom, it has something to use. You have truth to draw from. Take serious your devotions. I mean, you have time to feed this next year, 2024, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Determine to be faithful to say, Lord, I'm going to grow. Be in a place where life becomes about God. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day coming. I see the day coming. I don't know about you. 
And when we go to him then, we simply ask him. And he gives out liberally what we need and abradeth not. With heads bowed and eyes closed.